If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 431 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka the Pod God Shawnee Podcasts, whatever you'd like to call me this beautiful Saturday evening, Sunday morning, whenever this is coming out. Joined today by the WBA, it's of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. As we talk about, do you know what? I usually say it's a big week in the world of mixed martial arts. It's a very big week this week in the world of, uh, especially of Irish mixed martial arts. Um, a very interesting week, and we will get to all of that. But before we do, we must tell you that this episode of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to unleash that beast within you because this summer manscaped is here to help you level up your beach game with their new Beard Hedger Pro kit they're going beyond the waist deep in the grooming game and diving in headfirst to your facial hair fantasies the beard hedger is a game changer allowing you to shape your beard like a true beach babe so this summer let the beach balls bounce and turn heads all over the place visit manscaped.com and use the promo code severe mma for 20 percent off with free shipping uh it's time to tame that man uh, we, we've been doing it now for a good couple of years here below the waist, but now it's time to do it, you know, on the, uh, above the waist as well. And the, with the Manscaped Beard Hedger Pro Kit, you can do all of that. It starts with the Beard Hedger, first of us. Uh, the, it's, it's a cordless trimmer, so that's absolutely brilliant. You can uh, bring it around with you everywhere. It has a rotor wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lint, so you've no more of them, you know, them shitty little add-ons in the drawer. They're so annoying. I absolutely hate them. Uh, 20 lengths, so you've none of that's waterproof as well so you can do it you know in the shower wash it away wherever you like to do it it has a titanium coated t-blade as well which is smooth on your face but very good uh, single stroke efficiency it brings satisfaction every stroke at a time the, but that rocket doesn't in there it has also dermatologically tested formulations beard shampoo and conditioner as we know like beard hair is different from head hair um and this shampoo and conditioner is specifically designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hair and uh, hair uh, ingrown hairs. Um, I, I some for some reason I had ingrown toenails in my head there. Ingrown hair nails? What? Uh, anyway, ingrown uh, hairs. I nearly did it again. Replace natural oils and promote beard health. Uh, the beard oil then is for after that. You know, it relieves dryness. Uh, both on the beard and the skin beneath as well, leaving a bit of a shimmer and shine for you. But then you have the beard bam, which honestly I need. I probably need a bit more of that to be honest. Shape it, shape it up, and get it looking beautiful for your fellows or dames out there. Plus, you have the three free gifts which will help along with that as well: beard brush, comb, and scissors to make sure your beard is ready to impress. So. This is our call to action. Ads get 20% off and free shipping with the code SevereMMANscape.com. It's simple enough. Get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code SevereMMANscape. Beard Hedger. One stroke, one guard, 20 
Lintz. And when you're done doing that, head on over to our friends at calderalab.com because first impressions matter. There's no two ways around it. The face is most likely the first thing that someone notices about you, how your skin looks, uh, is going to determine good or bad, that first impression you know, let's put the best face forward and go over to our friends at Caldera Lab. They're clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skincare and is here to save the day and your confidence by using our code SeveraMayCalderaLab.com. You can enjoy 20% off their best products. You know, we've been using it now for a good while, the products over at Caldera Lab. And if you use them the way they tell you right here, I'm going to tell you right now, you will see the difference. It's a high-performance men's skincare products. And the regimen is your twice-a-day formulation for just for better skin. The best part, it's super easy. 30 seconds in the morning, 30 seconds at night. It's like brushing your teeth after, uh, you know, a day or two. You might notice it, but after a few weeks, you will absolutely notice it on you. Uh, first off, they have the clean slate. That's how you start your day bit of a wash get refreshed then you have the base layer to moisturize uh it absorbs faster you have a lovely matte finish to go about your day confidently then the good is your go to at night it's a face serum clinically pro- clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines and if you want to take it a step clo- uh, further the icon is the eye serum that helps sh- uh, shine while addressing the three most common skin concerns around the eye fine lines dark circles and puffiness. Caldera Lab is made with top tier ingredients and legit showstopper like Peter Queeley is good for you today and in the long run. All it takes is 30 seconds in the morning and 30 seconds at night. Trust me, it's all about time. You've got your skincare unlocked for the better. Doesn't get any easier than this. So get 20% off with our code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com using the code SEVEREMMA. Jump into skin f- and First impression royalty with Calera Lab. Promo code severe and made 20% off. Right, Graham, let's uh let's get straight into it here because we have a, a lot to talk about today. Uh, a bumper week coming up, as we all know, um with the UFC fight night in Paris, two Irish guys on it, um, which is is always special. You know, we just did Sean Abannon. Obviously, we just had Ian Gary as well. We have Conor McGregor. We have, you know, Paul Hughes on the cusp. You know, we have Johnny Walker. We have uh, uh, Brad Cadona, who just got into the UFC. We have, it seems like we such a great time at the moment for, uh, for Irish MMA. And... I want to start off with, the, I suppose, the latest signing, and then we'll talk about the two lads coming up as we approach this weekend uh, at the same time. Um, and that's key for Crosby. Graham, I kind of, I, I suppose, after the big fight with uh, Cowboy Oliveira, everyone was like, oh, you know, now it's time. You you beat a guy like Cowboy Oliveira after just coming out of the UFC, and it feels like, well, there you go. And then he took that boxing match was in like misfits or something like that against Aaron Jammers which for those boxing matches it's probably as good a boxing match as you're going to find against a quote-unquote influencer because he has had a good few MMA fights and all of that and it wasn't uh it wasn't a bad watch or anything like that and then after that I was kind of thinking like will he do more of that because he called I think he, he called out who'd he call out Floyd Mayweather or so he called someone out anyway I was like oh I'm not so sure and then 
we see he gets the call for the UFC. He's fighting in two weeks, and obviously we'll talk about him more in two weeks. But Graham, for, as someone who's covered Kiefer for a long time, I, I remember a few weeks ago when we signed, we had this conversation. When Kalen signed, we had a conversation. When Shauna signed, we had a conversation. And to have the conversation with Kiefer, I suppose, he's had as long a road as, as any of them, and he's had a, a very, very interesting career. Had some very, very tough fights as well. And it's great to see him get his call into the UFC because it, fe- it felt like there for a while maybe it wasn't coming. You know, you thought after the Cowboy fight it would come immediately. And when it didn't, you're thinking like, oh, is it going to come? But it's great that it finally came, Graham, isn't it? Yeah, as you mentioned, he's kind of had his ups and downs. Even in his amateur career, he took on all comers. He took on Io Daly in, in Cage Warriors, the fight that we were at. An amateur fight, you know, he... He started off his pro career really well. Ran ran into the trouble. He got the Mike Jackson fight, he, the illegal knee and the the neck brace and all that shenanigans. Uh, obviously, didn't help. But he, he he got back on a winning streak, and then he lost his last two in Bellator. And you were thinking like, oh, you know, he's really going to need to bounce back here. But he did, and you know, obviously he he got that he got a win, and then he beat a UFC veteran and Oliver and Oliveira Cowboy Oliveira, as you mentioned, in devastating fashion in the first round and a very exciting, you know, performance and. As much as we talk about influencer boxing, you know, going in there on a, a kingpin card uh, against Aaron Chalmers, who has a big following and is an MMA fighter himself, as you mentioned, you know, it probably got him more attention and got him more on the radar than if he just went and fought, you know, another guy that he on the uh, on the regional scene or on the European scene. So, as much as we kind of you know shy away from or don't talk about these things, like they do create exposure for these guys and. You know, it's good to see Kiefer getting it, getting a chance in the UFC, and obviously coming in there in short notice is is not ideal. But you know, his opponent and the little the little bit I've seen just before this, he, he doesn't look, you know, the best. So if 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 we see Kiefer come out strong like he did against Oliveira, I think he has a very good chance here, and it'd be great to see him get in there and win his UFC debut. Obviously, yeah, it was very interesting because like, there's no doubt about it, Kiefer is uh, a guy when you like hear him talk and you hear the crowd biting him like he is. A guy that almost like exudes star power type of thing, and like, and now I wonder if that will translate over from say the Bellator run that he had to the UFC run uh, that he's going to have now. The Irish card that is hopefully coming up will will possibly help that. And when he's in Sydney as well, you know, there's a lot of Irish people over in Sydney, and I'm sure there'll be a good uh, shower of people there from Ireland as well. So that will really help. But it's it's very interesting, like when. I, I, like I remember the early days of Kiefer when I, I saw him after maybe like it might have been a, it might have even been a, an amateur fight or maybe one of his first couple of fights in Andrew interview it was an Io Daily fight was it or, well, I, I, well yeah either. no it was before that it was definitely before that because I was at the Io Daily fight so it must have been one before that I remember he did an interview with Andrew and it's probably you can probably still see my tweet and I was like who does this remind you of you know he, I, you know it's funny because people always said oh James Gallagher he sounded like Conor McGregor and all but like Kiefer kind of does like he's a dub from the you know the, the inner city of Dublin. They have a similar accent yeah, and all I'm of that. I'm looking forward to all them comparisons. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, no matter what he says, even if he says something yeah. Conor would never say, it's going to be ah. Oh. Here's but, another Conor McGregor wannabe. But he is more comparable, I think, in terms of just the way he talks and in terms of, like, the shit talk back in those days. It's a little bit different now. I think he's more, you know, with Big Daddy Keith and he's more doing it for his family. And, and it probably means more than it did a decade ago, as it would for, for most people. But, like, that is something I think that we will be hearing from again. But, like, he's always, he's always kind of had that. Like, he's always been that sort of guy. And it's very interesting, like how that will translate over into the UFC and how um how he, like how it moves for him because like I saw 
I, you know, the, my first impression was, we, and we talk about Oban Elliott in a while as well later on, like him versus Oban would be a great fight. But then one of the lads, I think it was uh, Harry suggested that um, Kiefer versus Paddy Pimblett is a fight that could happen, right? And that, and, and like, as a matchmaking, right, fighter versus fighter, that's, that's a very fun fight. I think a lot of people would like to see that. But I feel like it's the sort of fight that, and... If Kiefer got into the UFC, well, he's in the UFC, but if he, let's say he wins a few fights, or even if he wins one fight, and he goes out and he says it, he gets on the mic, and he does you know, a couple of interviews afterwards and stuff, and let's say he says Paddy Pimble's name, that's a fight I could really see happening, like, and elevating him, and, like, most guys like that, like, like I, I always hate when people call out, you know, Paddy's a great example, or, like, you know, Jake Paul or something like that. You're just calling this lad out for kind of the sake of calling him out, like, hoping against hope that you get this meal ticket. Whereas for someone like Kiefer, I, I don't know, actually, will he call him out, but it's the sort of fight that could happen. Like, someone could ask him about it and he goes, don't mind that fucking fake fighter or something like, you know, <laughs> something like that, and it could happen naturally. So, like, that's the sort of thing that could happen with Kiefer. But the, I'll say it again, right? And it's the same, maybe, let's say if James moved over to the UFC or Brian Moore and, like, the, the way they have built the following in Ireland, like, especially, I think especially the three of them, it's been, you know, and it's funny enough because Reese has a sort of similar thing. We talk about Reese in a while because, like, he has that now as well. He headlined the three arena and, you know, he's moved over. Now it's going to be something a little bit different, uh, you know, from, from the last time. But Kiefer has that already. And I'd be interested to see how it kind of translates over and how, you know, how quickly he kind of becomes a noteworthy person rather than just maybe another person on the roster now for Irish fans and for us and all he'll never be that but worldwide I think that'll be interesting to see if and when uh, that happens or how quickly it happens as well so that's I think that's a very interesting part of, about Kiefer and the thing about Kiefer as well, well it right? all depends on getting in there and getting the job done and winning so yeah. you know his boxing and the striking have looked much improved uh, even though they were always very good obviously comes from a striking background but he looked really on point in that Oliveira fight. And uh, obviously it's not MMA, but that Aaron Chalmers boxing match, he, you know, you mistake him, you, you could easily mistake him for an up and coming pro boxer in, 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 in that, like one of these kind of early, early pros. So yeah, obviously his opponent from what I've seen, isn't, isn't going to want to stand with Kiefer for long. And we're going to see Kiefer's takedown defense, how that looks. But, you know, uh, He's, he's no mug in, in the grappling department. It's not as if he's just a striker that, you know, transitioned to MMA. He's been doing MMA a long time. And as I mentioned, he has an extensive amateur career on top of his, you know, uh, what is it, eight and, what is he now? What's his record now? Like uh, 10, and ten, three, is it? 10 and 3, is that 10 and 3, yeah, 13 yeah. fights. Jesus, it's, yeah. it goes quick. Like, you know, it's mad because we started following these guys. And, you know, as you mentioned, McGahan, Andrew McGahan doing interviews with these guys and uh, after fights and mixing in fight highlights and things. And, you know, we've kind of grown up with these guys and we've allowed, you know, other people who've been following along the Irish scene to kind of feel attached to these guys. And, it, you know, you can see the excitement on, on social media and stuff of people getting in there. And you obviously see some people being like, oh, why is he there? He's only there because he's this, because he's that, or he not UFC caliber and all this nonsense that used to exist 10 years ago. Um, You know, so uh, he just needs to get in there basically and get the job done and then you know, all the possibilities open up because he's, he's not afraid to say what he thinks. He's a good speaker. He's an exciting fighter. You know, if, he, if he's winning, I expect him to be winning in an exciting fashion. So all going well. Yeah, I could see something like that, you know, a, a Paddy Pimler fight or another big fight. But yeah, as I said, he just got to focus on getting in there and getting the win. We know we all see like, you know, people like Kiefer, even before they signed for Bellator, he told me in an interview in, in SBG, you know, uh, UFC is the ultimate goal. And for a lot of these guys, they, they, maybe they won't say it because they're in other promotions or 
things like that. But I think for 99% of them, getting into the UFC is what they've always dreamed of since they were coming up and they watch the UFC, you know, and their mates talk about the UFC and people ask, oh, you're, an, you're a pro fighter, are you? You fight in the UFC, you know. <laughs> and it's uh, like, it's, it's, it's definitely a big thing. And we see jitters and we see, you know, Kiefer has obviously been in big events, Bellator, Dublin Three Arena, like that, even at Kingpin, the last one, big pressure fights, big, big crowds, all that stuff. He's used to it. But, you know, so for some of these guys, I'm not sure if it's going to happen with Kiefer, but we see it time and time again where, they don't perform to the level that we know they can in, in their UC debut. So, you know, that's another thing that he has to overcome. So he's just got to focus on getting through this fight and getting a win. And he can start thinking about, you know, who he's going to call out and all that stuff afterwards. Yeah, I, I think, you know, some of those questions, like the UFC quality thing, like if that if this was eight, nine years ago, you could have... People, obviously, people aren't watching these fight night cards no, anymore. No, so yeah, explains absolutely, <laughs> absolutely not. Like, he's, he's tur- 10 and 3, but really 10 and 2, like that Mike Jackson fight was absolute bullshit. Like that, it was... I hear, you have to be, oh. be airlifted away in the, in the neck brace, come on. <laughs> Anyone who watches that knows it's bullshit, right? So the only two lads he's ever lost to are Charlie Leary and Georgie Carcanyan in like, basically fights the Bellator tried to put him in to get him off the fucking roster because he was earning a good bit of money. Like, it's if we're being honest here, he's gone out, out and he's beaten Cabo Oliveira since that. There's, it, like, you can have an opinion about where how far you think Kiefer will go, but there's no doubt about it. Like, the, compare him to the other people in the, in the division and say the entry-level people. There's no doubt about it. Plus the other side of it as well, right? Oh, you know, I saw a few people saying, oh, McGregor, McGregor must have a fight coming up. Okay, there's six Irish people in the UFC. They're from five different gyms. Only Connor and Kiefer are the only two SPG guys in there. Now, there's a couple of other SPG people in there, but like no one says Johnny Walker should be in there. Uh, um, Katona went to just win the ultimate fighter. So like, I really don't see the argument at all at that. Like Ian Gary deserves to be there. Like uh, Reese and Kalen are not in the gym with, with Connor. Um, uh, Sean Abandon's not in the gym with Connor. So that's... It's a nonsense, really, I think that is. So, look, I'm looking forward to seeing Kiefer. As he said, he's a opponent. I haven't had a great look at him yet. Look, it looks like a winnable enough fight, but he, this guy is a French guy, and he's gone over to New Zealand to train with Israel Adesanya. And this, uh, you know, I said the crowd could be getting behind Kiefer, but who knows? Like, if it's a big Adesanya fight, and they realise this guy is his teammate, maybe, maybe not. Maybe there's a, a split allegiance between these two lads here. So I'll be very interested, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I think it's good for, for Kiefer and, you know, to go in there against somebody who's also making his... Uh, UFC debut you know he's coming in from X fight series which isn't exactly you know a huge show so you know Kiefer probably has the advantage in terms of experience and the crowd and and all that stuff and you know even if Kiefer was to be you know the kind of villain or the the guy they're not the fans aren't supporting as you maybe hinted at there could happen I think he's he's been in that position before you know he went in there against Alex Oliveira and the crowd was baying for his blood and the ref didn't want to stop the fight you know he didn't want to get (laughs) get beaten on the way out or whatever so uh yeah, I think I think maybe in terms of that, maybe the, the the advantage would go his way. But with these things, you can never call them. You know, some you know we we heard Shauna Bannon talking about how she kind of nearly like I'm paraphrasing here, but like kind of slept, walked through the whole fight week, fight, fight day, and and couple, first couple of rounds even you know before she kind of realized you know it was a, just a different experience than than you felt before, even if you have fought in big shows. But you know, uh, Kiefer, he's been waiting a long time for this and his opponents obviously, you know, been waiting a long time for this. So they're probably going to want to go out there and impress. And, you know, I think if that is, if they want to go out there and bang and put on a good fight, I think that benefits Kiefer. Yeah, 100%. I, I can't wait to see. It should be, uh, it should be very, very fun. Do you know what? One thing I, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to Reese McKee earlier today and you'd be able to see that, uh, 
and Sherlock later in the week. There's actually already an interview up Andy did with him on Severe May, so check the check the two of them out during uh, this week, especially. But I I I was talking to Reese about headlining in Dublin, right? And maybe we'll be able to actually move on to Reese and talk about himself and uh, and Kale and now, but I think that. Uh, experience and let's say the experience that Kiefer had, which he I don't think Kiefer didn't headline in Dublin, did he? But he like he had the crowd right on his side, like he was the biggest fight in there a few times, and you know he fought in front of ten, you know nine ten thousand people. It's very rare, I think, that lads who get into the UFC have that, you know. So that really helps with their. Um, you know, with the nerves and stuff going in, I would imagine, because they fought in front of that big crowd. Obviously, you know, Reese has had a couple of UFC fights now as well, but this will also go on to help him. So I really think that is a big advantage. And, you know, we've uh, we've talked about, you know, uh, some people maybe not having that. And, you know, even Sean at the last day uh, never fought in a crowd, you know, close to where she was. And that's the sort of thing that will bring you on, I think. Also, as well, we, we'll move on and let's, let's talk about uh, Reese and Kaelin. Graham, I was thinking today, right? Is there anyone that has headlined the Tree Arena from Ireland and then gone into the UFC? Because if, like, if you think about it, right, the who's been the headliner so far? Let's say James and Peter Quigley. Obviously, they're still in, in Bellator. Connor headlined, but he was already in the UFC at that stage. You know who else is there? I, I don't think anyone is. Like, I think I think Reese might be the first one to headline like those big um, fight night cards, let's say the Cage Warriors or Bellator cards, we'll have a PFL one coming up obviously here as well, in the tree arena and, and go into the UFC. And, you know, that's, I think that's cool to be that. And he also said to me, he's, he headlined Cork, Belfast and Dublin, which is very cool as well, I think, to have kind of gone around the whole country and made fans all around the whole country. And now he goes in against Angelusa for his second run in the UFC. And it just feels like it's the right time now for Reese Because, like, the last time, you remember, he was on the verge of a Cage Warriors title. He was in short notice. It was fucking Shemaev. It was just all the wrong timing. And just feels now he's had three wins in a row. He was a Cage Warriors champion, defended the championship, fought the UFC veteran, you know, which uh, he was saying to me earlier, like, Alex Morona was the UFC veteran test before. He lost that the last time. Then he fights Jimmy Wallet, the UFC veteran test again. He wins it this time. And it's just like th- those steps that he needed to prove the last time. It feels like he's a mall prove now, Graham, doesn't it, coming into this? And I'm really looking forward to Reese and really looking forward to him shining because, like, he certainly has the quality, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Like, you know, uh, what, what, I'm trying to remember what, as you were talking there, which fight was it where I think me and you were at, in, or maybe it was even on TV. My memory's so bad, but you were saying it was the best Irish performance since Eddie Alvarez and Conor McGregor. Yeah, uh, which one was that? It was. <sighs> I'm not sure. I think it was one of the early. I, I think it was. I do you know what it was. It was the Tim Barnett rematch. You know, after he lost the Tim Barnett around the time his his father had passed away, wasn't it? And then yeah. you know he had a big weight cut and everything like that. And then he came in and he beat him. And he what he knocked him out in four and a half minutes. I think that was it. He just looked so smooth in there in that one, didn't he? Yeah, you know, and and it kind of reminded me in in the Jimmy Wallhead fight. You know, Jimmy Wallhead, obviously a veteran of the game, fought everybody. What is he? Forty odd fights. Um, you know, last stand trying to get the cage warriors belt great triumphantly, and you know, Reese McKee just showed his maturity, and you know, uh, he also showed stuff that he showed in that Tim Barnett fight, the the fluidity and the the timing and the range. He he, he showed that he can put everything together in in a big moment and in in a big fight in front of a a home crowd against you know a, a legend of the game and all that stuff. So I talked about it before, but like. 
well, I think we even talked about it on the podcast before his original UFC debut, not having gone. He wanted to save going to a UFC event. He didn't go and corner his his training partners and didn't go to see an event in, when it was like in Europe or whatever because he wanted to save it for when he was making his UFC debut. But like, I think obviously it's easy to go back and say it afterwards. Obviously all that stuff hindsight is 2020, but as we were talking about with, with the kind of big show and experience, just the feel of it, everything being a little bit familiar. And, you know, the second time coming in here, I think he's in a much better position as a fighter in terms of fight IQ, in terms of uh, patience and, and composure in, in the cage. And, in terms of just everything, you know, and in terms of realizing that it, this you haven't made it, like, you know, you got to the UFC, you fulfilled your dream, but you, you can be out of there in a second if you don't get the job done, you don't perform, and the UFC aren't going to show you any sympathy. You're going to go in there against Shimaev and short notice, and you're going to go in there a few months later against Morono, fight a good fight, you know, lose a decision, and you're gone. So you could be back to, you know, fighting for peanuts on the local scene. So I think I think he understands the, the kind of, I don't know. Like, I'm not putting words in his mouth. I don't know any inside information, but I think he understands the gravity of the situation, and he's just he's just in a much a much better position all around. And you know, I think his opponent is going to be, from what I've seen, he's going to be trying to spam takedowns. And you know, um, uh, maybe if he if he can get Reese down early and get on top, he doesn't seem to be from the John Howard fight. I saw bits of he doesn't seem to you know posture up a lot to land big shots. He seems to be pretty um you know uh, position first and making sure he he frustrates and things like that so as long as reese can avoid that and get some shots off early you know from from the little bit i've seen of lusa he's he's definitely there for the taking on the feet and you know if reese performs to how we know he can and how he did in his last his last two two or three fights especially since he since he left the ufc you know i think i think he could be you know finally arriving in the ufc properly yeah, it's it's funny because like I was speaking to Reese today, it it felt like the mind was on the opponent, right? Rather than like you know, he was even kind of saying to me, oh, uh, I I think it was maybe even afterwards, is like ah, oh, it's not too bad. Paris is like what an hour and a half of a flight or something. He's like I'm heading over Tuesday. Like there's you know you're you're not going to fight Island anymore. You're not having to get tested. You're not having to fly for fucking fifteen hours or whatever it is. It's just like that. That helps as well. It makes it a little bit simpler. But it also, right, it takes away any of that stress and you can just look at your opponent. And, like, you could, you could I don't know, talking to him, you could just kind of clearly see it that it was, what are you preparing for here, right? There's, because, like, some people are, 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 some fights are, like, a preparation for the fight, right? So you're, prepar- you're preparing, let's say you're fighting in a world title fight. I'm preparing for, you know, the fight. I'm preparing for all the interviews. I'm preparing to get that belt on. I'm preparing, what speech am I going to have? Where's my after party? Where's it? Whereas, like, if you're preparing, I'm fighting Angelusa and I'm preparing for Angelusa and that's it. You know, and you hear fighters often saying that I'm not looking to who's next because that's the way it has to be. You're getting in here and you're fucking fighting another man in an octagon. Like, you know, there, there can't be anything but that. And, like, it's impossible for there not to be anything but that if you get me when you're making a UFC debut and you're taking it on chart notice and all, all of that whereas this time it's not chart notice he got the full camp he was the champion in cage it just, like as we said it just feels like everything is the right way now that doesn't mean he's going to go out and win it but like I think he's more um, uh, he, he's more inclined and more prepared and more ready now than he was yeah he's in a much better position to show what he can actually yes. do and what we've seen from following him closely and you know if, if people watch UFC fans never really you know watch anything but UFC and they saw Reese McKee they're probably thinking why is this guy resigned yeah. but 
I think he's in a good position now to show why why he's yeah. Done. And like what makes Reese great? And I sp- the last time I interviewed him, I spoke to him uh, about this. It's like he's calm, and he's like he's. If you ever spoke to Reese or hear him in an interview, he is a calm guy, and he's you know he's quiet enough, and, and you know does smooth, you know, and that's the way he fights. He fights like his personality, right? He fight he fights that way, and like. There's that nastiness to it as well. Like in terms of like if he puts you in a position, he will take you out of it. But to do that, the first part of that, you I think you almost have to be relaxed going in there. And it feels like he's uh, approaching this. Now, just on Lusa as well, I know you know, watching a few of his fights, look, he will go for a takedown if the takedown presents itself. But he often does like strike. I watched these last two fights, and they were uh, apart from when he did land on top a couple of times uh, in the uh, in the last fight, you know, he, he does strike a lot and he will strike with you. Um, and look, he fought Munir Lezez, who is a similar sort of fighter to Reese in terms of height, reach. He jabs a lot. He's a striker. He fights on the outside. And he lost that fight. You know, Munir Lezez won that fight. And that's the way I think Reese is going to want to fight him. But I think the difference, like, they're, they're, they're similar fighters, but different. Like, I think Reese has more power. I think Reese has actually, like, a better jab I think he throws straight up punches like Reese can be drawn into a war maybe more than Munir as well and that's something you don't want to do against Lusa like what I see with Lusa is a guy who never stops moving never stops doing stuff like he's either fainting or punching right he's there, there's non-stop there's there's no stop in him and I think if you're Reese like you have to make him stop you have to make him pay whether that is you know when he faints bite down your mouthpiece and throw a big right hand and the next time he faints he'll think about it twice right or hit him B first before he faints exactly leg kicks or jab him before he can even faint jab him before he can even think about it and put him on the back foot and I'm not necessarily physically on the back foot but mentally on the back foot because he he does that kind of as a tactic more than really it being an effective technical way for him to win a fight he just tries to disturb lads in there and when he actually is when he throws a punch himself or when a punch is thrown at him after that initial heart of movement there's no movement there he like literally stops in the middle and is there to either like hit you hard or get hit hard himself so like I think being drawn into the war is what Reese doesn't want to do here keep it calm land that big shot over and over and over again and I think Lusa could be there for the taking but like he, as you said Graham he's a good wrestler he's strong he can hit hard too as well it's a it's, it's a uh, a, a tough fighter, a very good fighter. I, I'm maybe not the toughest matchup. I think. I think it's a good matchup for Reese, and I think he will. Uh, he will do well. I, I'd favor him. To, I think he'll get the stoppage here, Graham. What do you think uh, on that one? Yeah, I, I think he if he if he goes in looking for the stoppage, he could get into trouble. I think if he plays a patient, like kind of do what he did against Jimmy Wallhead, except over three rounds, patient and you know pick his shots and get the jab going and the leg kicks and you know, not get frustrated and not rush into anything or not, you know, if the crowd aren't, aren't, you know, if it turns into slightly boring fight, if the crowd aren't, aren't on your side or they're booing you, just, you know, keep your composure, keep to the game plan and just make sure you win, you know. Um, you know, coming in against a guy, um, you know, trying to, or coming in as a guy trying to prove yourself when you're kind of, I'm better, I'm better than I showed in my first kind of stint in the UFC I want to get a knockout. I think that would be a mistake. I, I just, I, as I say, I think just no, no matter what happens, just stick to the game plan, play it smooth, and just you know don't take any risks uh, and get taken down, and you know end up end up losing a round that you that you you could have won if you stayed more patient. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I would tend to agree that. One. Although, you know, we talk about Reese getting finishes. He only gets finishes when he wins. What is he? 10, 10 wins, 10 finishes. So, um, yeah, I can't wait for that fight. I think it'll be good. I'm looking forward to Reese showcase. And, you know, what he's all about. We've seen that. Anyone who's watched the last three fights have seen that. Even the Morona fight. Look, it wasn't a bad performance uh, whatsoever there. But as, as Reese says, like, you know, it's it's that veteran and he had to get through that veteran test and you know he had to have a second one to, to prove it and now you know he's it's uh it's a way again for Reese in his second stint in the UFC and I'm looking forward to seeing that um but in his first stint in the UFC is uh, is Kayla Nochran and this is a very interesting fight he's fighting Yanis uh, Gimuri who is 12 and 1 um and you know for Kaelin it's it's so quick I suppose into this spot we see a lot of people that take you know years and years like if you think back to the likes of Kyle Bindred or you know Owen Roddy who never managed to get there or Chris Fields or that they were on the road for years and years and years and years and you know some never managed to do it and others did Kalen made his cage where his debut in 2022 <laughs> you know it's crazy it's only what 16 months since he made that cage Warriors debut and now he's and now that cage Warriors debut was basically his first kind of real test you know he was fighting yeah. guys who were like you know 0 and 31 and 3 and 5 and 0 and 0 and things like that like and he admitted himself he was just gonna you know getting in there and getting some wins and you know we were talking about it. people online were talking about it. we were talking about it we were like yeah you know he's gone in there and destroyed these guys but let's see what happens when he steps up and every time he stepped up he's looked he's looked much better than than he, he had in his previous fight and he's gone through you know his last what four four opponents finishing them all in the second round and looking dominant and looking well rounded and looking improved and you know as we said about obviously about UFC jitters and all that stuff we said earlier if if that can be you know controlled and he comes out looking like he did in Cage Warriors his last Cage Warriors but against Dylan Hazan even uh, or improved like I expect him to be then I think he should have a, a dominant victory here but. You know, there's obviously some some caveats that stepping up at such a kind of early stage of your career to the UFC, but yeah, I think from from what I've seen so far, I'll be I'll be very confident that I'm getting a getting a dominant win here. Yeah, as what I like, I think the changes for Kalen in the last year, I was going to say a couple of years there, but it's only a year, have been absolutely massive. Like, he ha- he hasn't had that big Irish run, like even an undercard Irish fight and in the championship fight in Ireland. Like, I think we all probably expected that, but, it, you know, the UFC came very, very quickly at him. And, like, I, I spoke to him after his last fight and, you know, asked the same question, basically, as we would have asked of Reese the first time. Like, is this too soon? And he was like... Look, I understand the question, but it's not. And it's... It, we'll find out. We will really find out, I suppose. I don't think it's too soon in terms of his ability, right? Um, and you could have said the same for Reese back then, but maybe in terms of everything else, we, we will see in that. Kalen, though, does seem like a guy, right, who is very bombastic you know he's not he's not a quiet guy like Reese or a calm guy like Reese. he is happy to say he'd beat the shit out of Chino Vera he's happy to say you know I'd beat any of them top five guys in the world right now and all of this you know he is he is one of the he doesn't look like a guy who's who's gonna shy away from things like that not, I'm not saying Reese's or anyone else's but he is an outward guy you know he is a peacock in, the, in, in this world and, not afraid uh, to say what he thinks yeah. no indeed so like that 
that would help with this UFC just like you see in Gary as well I think he's a bit like that and that helps him you know he was out fucking in a pub shadow boxing the day before his fight the last day and for the vast majority of people you would say what the fuck are you doing don't do that you're an idiot get home but for him it works and you know for Kalen I think you know him being a mad, bit of a mad bastard as well probably worked for him in terms of the mental side but make no mistake about that and don't fool yourself into thinking he's not a good fighter because he's a bit of a you know a, a talker and all of that and a very funny and a good talker as well but like I I really like his style because like I watched his style at the start and I'm like oh I'm not fucking sure about this I'm not sure if this can work for MMA like especially at uh, 135 where he kind of and he had look he has adjusted a little bit but he very much kind of stands in the middle of the cage and Dominates, you know, he's like a fucking uh, a gorilla standing in the middle he, he, of the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I was listening to second captain today at the soccer podcast with Ken Early. We had him on the the Patreon to preview the the Premier League season. Never heard of him, but they were talking about you know soccer players are sometimes referred to as having a a touch of arrogance to them as like yes. a positive thing. And they were kind of saying that oh, it's not, in every other kind of walk of life, uh, arrogance is like a a bad thing. It's like. Um, too much confidence and too much of anything is bad so but in in mma i think you know having that arrogance having that you know never say die and uh, you have to kill me in there like we're going to talk about obon elliott and stuff like that that stands here like cut up Hendred. how many times did that that win him fights that, that he, guy. he wouldn't have, yeah you know that he that he should he by all means should have by all rights really should have lost like <laughs> but he you know that that that's a huge thing and you know a, a touch of arrogance i think is a thing that in, in mma is is a really good thing if you're going to make it to the top. And obviously this is, Caden Lockwood has a long way to go. And, you know, the question of, is it too early? And if you ask me, will Caden Lockwood be a much better fighter in two, three, four years? Yeah, I think so. But I think, you know, we, we could say the same thing about Ian Gary, but Ian Gary went in there and, and took, the UC gave him sensible fights. And, you know, if they do the same thing with Caden Lockwood, then we could be in a, in a similar situation with Ian Gary. Like, obviously that would be, It'd be phenomenal a small island like Ireland and you know producing so many you know uh, high caliber UFC fighters would, would be kind of you know unprecedented from such a small population or whatever but you know uh, would I be that surprised if he was in a similar position in you know six fights I wouldn't be too surprised if he keeps yeah. if he keeps improving like he has and you know I don't see any reason why not he seems like a very hard worker he seems to believe in himself a lot he seems to have that you know uh, he's, he's still got that momentum of being undefeated and that that confidence that goes with that and you know not not being not having been knocked out and not kind of a feeling in, of nearly invincibility so yeah obviously as i said earlier about other irish guys you got to get in there and get the win before all of this stuff but it is good to you know look to the future and speculate about what could happen if if, if all goes to plan yeah and like even just the last few fights because we were talking about you know him fighting the re-streets and Will Kearns before he got into uh, to cage wars. But, like, his last three wins, he, when he was 5-0, and all, he beat 5-0 and Festus Aurelio, who's a very good prospect. Then he beat the 10-3 and three former champion Luke Shanks. And then he beat 9-0 and all uber prospect Dylan Hazan. Finished all three of them. You know, so he quickly turned. And, like, also what he showed in those fights as well was he, an ability to adjust from that style I was talking about where he kind of stands in the middle and kind of just waits for you and takes you apart like he had we've seen him wrestle like he's strong on top he's built 
built like an absolute brick shit house. And when he sure, gets he's, a knockout, he's like an ex gar player, you know, he's got that's that it. And Tyrone, a Tyrone gar player as well. Like, <laughs> you know, there's uh, there's not many in him. That's fucking harder than MMA above there playing fucking Gaelic football in Tyrone. Uh, he actually said that to me last time I was walking to him. He was like, Jesus, like, I think he, what did he, he, I think he said he got three ACL injuries in the space of 18 months or something when he was playing GEN. And he's like, I haven't been injured since I was in MMA. So, you know, that's, uh, that's, a that's a, like, you know, those guys are highly competitive. Like when yeah. you play, you know, you don't get paid at all. You have a day job. Like you're working, you know, these guys do it for the love of the battle. Like, yeah, 100%. His opponent, Yanis uh, Gamori, then watching a bit of him. It's funny, right? Because I, I, I've been on record here a few times to say, I've never seen someone fight the way Kayla Nochran fights. And Yanis actually fights a bit like him. You know, he does that thing where he stands in the middle of the cage, doesn't move a lot, tries to fight long. I just don't think he does it half as well as Kalen, to be honest. He's 12-1. and one, And honestly, I watched maybe three or four of his fights that I could find over on YouTube. Um... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not seeing it. To be honest, I'm not seeing it. Like he can, he can jab and he can hit, and you know he's he's actually very good ground and pound. But I don't see a lot of wrestling from him. Like the one fight I did see him where he got on top, um, he he his opponent actually kind of knocked him down and then hit him with a, a knee and knocked him on top of him almost. And your man took himself down. And then he landed some good ground and pound. But look, if Kalen makes any mistakes against this guy and goes on the back foot and lets him run it, then he will lose that fight. But it's very hard for me to see Kaelin Ockren losing to someone who fights a similar sort of style or tries to because Kaelin is so good at doing what he does. Like, I would be utterly surprised if he lost this fight to be honest now it's a 12-1 guy as well so maybe there's more there that I'm not seeing necessarily but I know you've had a look at him Graham as well what, what did you think of him and how, how they match up yeah you know he, he got on top in, in, in a couple of the fights I, uh, I looked over and he he didn't look dangerous Um, I think I think maybe uh, I hope this doesn't you know uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll look stupid if, it, but I think Caden has advantages everywhere. I think his wrestling, his grappling, his striking is, is everything, and I, and I expect him to be, you know, much improved as I say from from his last fight, which which as long as you know he doesn't, he's able to perform uh, to the level that he's at, then I expect him to to dominate this, and you know it might go to his decision. He he might he he might not be able to put his opponent away, but I, I I'd, I'd be surprised as well if if he doesn't win this. Yeah, I. I, I think Kenan opponent as well like you yeah. know a couple of times he drops his hands and things like that he's trying to yeah. he's trying to be a bit stylish when maybe that's his abilities at, in the fights I saw anyway he's probably made improvements as well but his abilities don't really live up to the the style he's trying he's playing a risky game with his hands down I don't know if his head movement is quite there to do that yeah the, the one thing I and I would agree with all that I, I think Kalen is is he, I would say he's probably 20% ahead of him in terms of ability. But having said that, like, that can quickly be turned around because, like, your man's fighting in front of his his home country as well, like, and he will have that support. But, like, the one thing Kalen doesn't have, I think, is the, the maybe the big fight field. But although he does have the fighting against the, I suppose, the, uh, being the away fighter, if you want to say it. Like, he fought Dylan Azan over in Italy for the belt. Um... And came through that, you know. So he uh, that was that was only what 
three months ago, four months ago. So, so like that that isn't uh, a reference point that you have to go too far into the the the, the back pocket to find. He has that immediately. So yeah, uh, I don't think he's like, a shrinking violet. <laughs> no, indeed. I, I like I'm I'm really looking forward. I think that'll be a fun fight. Uh, I think that like these two fights will be uh, will be pretty good to be honest. And I would be, you know, I'd be surprised if the two Irish lads didn't come out on top. Now, like we. We speak a lot about the Irish fighters, and sometimes we say, "Well, I think we'll there to be close." I even like the Sean Bannon one. I thought she would win, but I thought it'd be a relatively close fight. These ones, I, these ones, I'm not so sure. I do, I do think uh, Kaelin and and, uh, and Reese will co- come through them, and I'm I'm uh, looking forward to uh, to seeing them, and we'll obviously speak more about them uh, next week afterwards, and uh, all of that. Um, right, Graham. A few more, couple of things before I throw it over to uh, to Sean Sheen here. Um, we might as well finish up on the this card before we move on. Um, there are a few interesting fights on the undercard. You know, Taylor Lapalus, who's been around for a good while, is there. He's fighting Munin. Gafarov is a good fighter. Farid Basharat, who's one of the top uh, prospects coming through. He's really good. He's on this. We have Vulcan Odzimir on the card. Uh, have you ever heard of your man, um, Morgan Sharia? He's a big uh, favourite of, of the Yes. I, I was about you to mention him. Do you know if he's fought next. anybody on any use? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No. Have you heard anyone? Any names thrown out there? But he's I fought? don't know. Did he fight your man? I don't know. John I don't know who he is, but... Uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul yeah. who's that guy? Never heard of him. Never heard of him. But yeah, look. Hopefully, with all these Irish people getting signed now, we have a a UFC Dublin coming up, and and Paul Hughes. Oh, Paul, sorry, he didn't mean to reverse over Dana's dog. <laughs> it was a mistake. Like. <laughs> what did he do? To? But Sharia, Sh- 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 look, I think we look. We spoke about this briefly a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, Paul Hughes should be in the UFC, but I think you'd be a fool to not realise why Morgan Shaka is in the UFC as well like he is I know I'm, I'm, I'm taking the I'm I know you're taking, taking the away from Morgan Jarrier <laughs> I know but like I saw a lot of people he's, like, a, he's oh. a big favourite for, for a reason you know he's yeah. fighting you know a UFC a UFC guy and he's a, he's a sizable favourite because he's a really good fighter yeah and he's that's like, why we're like we're not pushing Paul, we're not like talking about Paul going to the UFC because he's Irish we're talking to you know ask I said this before I think on the podcast but like ask somebody who follows you know every event that's streamed on the internet like Capose are one of these hardcore fans and they'll be excited about Paul Hughes and when Paul Hughes finally does get signed to the UFC you know the hardcore fans will be excited because it's 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 when it, when a, a hot prospect like that somebody who can do it all somebody who you know okay maybe recently he hasn't got finishes but that's because he's fighting people like Charrier and people like Vucenic and you know massively entertaining fights like that so I think the the you know the criticisms uh, people are just reaching like you know oh he hasn't fought in so long he was out injured and things like that like you know it's it's not it's not that he's just sitting out for no reason and I think I think you know it's it's inevitable but as I said before what uh, Paul Paul you sitting at home watching these fight night cards and you know watching everybody else uh, get signed people he's beat get signed and other other Irish guys get signed it must be it must be so frustrating yeah it has to be like there's so many 145ers in the well uh, in the UFC as well that are like not nearly on his level it's it's absolute insanity but look that's I suppose a chat for another day although it's a chat we've been having an awful lot recently you know and we're, we'll definitely not leave uh, the well, side of every time somebody gets signed you know from yeah. the regional scene it's going to be a topic because you know he in my opinion should be at the top or close to the top of the line and he has been for a long time but even like this other let's say Sharia or even Key for the last there K- when Kalen or Reese even whenever any of them gets signed they're like oh Paul you should have been first but sure look Reese or Kalen or even Key for not even that he should have been first it's just that he should be there as well as all oh, some people are saying that right but like these lads would love to have Paul Hughes there as well like Kiefer's and Paradigm with him the two lads have trained with him and everything like 
look, it's going it's going to happen. I think I, like it's it's interesting because you have the Cage Warriors Dublin card coming up as well. Like, what's going to happen with that? Is he going to take a fight on that? Like, and if he is, he's going to have to do that quickly because that's coming up not too far away. Like, so it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But who knows? May, maybe it's one of those things. Now, I believe, and I said this in the Q and A, Graham, but I I believe if you are signed to fight in a Cage Warriors fight and the UFC come in not for you a fight, yeah. you you don't have to. Uh, sorry, cage warriors. They they don't have to release you to fight, but if you aren't, you can be released because there's the Zufa clause. So maybe that's it. Yeah, like, I heard that somewhere as well, but I, I don't have any confirmation. On yeah, that. I believe I believe it's true, but maybe someone can you know if Graham Byron or Ian Dean or someone's listening to me and that's incorrect, please let me know and I will correct it happily. But maybe it's a case of right. Oh, we'll wait till two weeks before the fight. We'll sign up to the fight and we'll fight in Dublin. On you know if I don't get signed to the UFC before that. I don't know. Like, hopefully, but that's the case. are going to want to sell tickets a lot are, more further than two weeks out. And, but it's only, you know. it's only three weeks out now, isn't it? And where, like, has there any, there's like been one or two fights announced for it? It's the quietest card I've ever seen out of Cage Warriors. Like, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the crack with this is. Surely there's a plan. Surely there's something big coming, but it'll have to come soon. But look, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for, I suppose, to, uh, to talk about is down the line because, like, you know, it's coming, coming very quickly now. But yeah. Just, I suppose, to finish out this card, as you said, look, there's so William Gomez as well at 145 now, you know, after coming from Cage Wires. Uh, yeah, well, it's in October, isn't it? Is so, it October? Oh my god, mad? Away, oh, it's two months away. Oh, yeah, well, okay, yeah. Still, it's not that far away. Was it five weeks away, six weeks away? Still, it's not. Like, yeah, I think it's it only four fights, you know, Jer Harris, Paddy yeah. McCurry, Solomon Simon, and Ryan Shelley. It's not exactly. You know the biggest names that are gonna sell at arenas, and they've moved it to the RDS uh, from the three arena already. So yeah, they they'd want to get a move on, even if it is a couple of months away on on announcing these fights and getting the buzz going and getting the tickets sold. Because uh, you know, obviously, Cage Wars is a very important part of the the, the regional scene, and you know, uh, it'd be a, sh- a real shame if there wasn't there was if people were just like ah you know pfl are coming at the end of the year and bellator are, come, are, are coming kind of regularly enough all will just wait because you know the the, the legacy and of cage warriors is, is, is still has a it just has a different feel to the bellator and i think it's important for the scene to have these options you know no matter what side of the debate you fall on yeah. if like you know oh these fighters are getting paid nothing and you're fighting for cage warriors and cage warriors saying oh well we're we're, we're on a you know a mission to get to the UFC and the path is there and the record is there. They've signed this many fighters and all. It, it, whichever side of that you fall on or if you don't care, it's, to have these options for fighters, to have these different routes to you know to big promotions and the big paydays is, is really good for the sport. And we want Cade Warriors coming back here. We want them having big shows and wanting to put on more shows every year and things like that, give opportunities to Irish guys. And yeah, so it, if you're on the fence about going to Cade Warriors, you know, I'm not getting paid or anything, but like, you know, it's important to support these promotions that have, you know, given chances to Irish fighters and, you know, uh, things like that over the years. And, uh, you know, obviously it's, 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 it's a big, um, there's a lot of, a lot of costs and inflation and all this stuff going on. But if you do have the cash, I'd recommend getting down there, you know, so some of these guys like Jared Harris and, you know, Ryan Shelley and Solomon Simon, you know, in years to come could be, you know, on the verge of title contention in Bellator or PFL tournaments or in the UFC. So getting in at the ground makes you feel attached to these guys and, you know, uh, support behind them and all that stuff is is just, it's great for the Irish MMA scene. It is. And like, 
to have the chat we just had about the likes of Kaelin and the likes of, uh, of Reese, you need that. You absolutely need that. So, yeah, hopefully the that keeps going. And it will keep going, you know. We, we And it needs to re, be replenished now as well, you know, because... Uh, well, I'm not saying know, Cage Warriors are going to go out of business or no, anything, no, no, but, no, they're, but they're incentive to come back to Dublin yeah. on regularly and, you know, put on these big Irish cards is, is diminished if, if the... Plus, what's going to happen with Bellator? Like, like, is Bellator going to exist this time next year? Like, who, <sighs> who knows, knows, you know? Who knows? So cage wires might be more important than uh, than ever, but uh, alas, um, we, might, we might see a lot of fighters changing their tune about their. Uh, <laughs> yeah. past we'll, we'll see John Gavin and, and Graham Violent starting a podcast together or something, <laughs> you know? Oh, that'd be funny. Anyway, um, so yeah, this. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's more likely that. Bellator is still going for 100 years <laughs> yeah, and probably, that happens. Probably, yeah. Uh, but we have Cyril Gagnon, Sergei Spivak on top of this anyway and the Manon Firo uh, against Rose Namunas. Two pretty good fights to be honest. I love that Firo and Namunas fight. Very interesting to see how Namunas looks up at 125 um, which is like, what such an odd move. Moves 25? It's so it's random. Hard, and, yeah. Like you have wins over the oh, what is going on here? Like this is just you're not you're, like Maybe she is killing herself to make weight, but it doesn't look like, you know, no. she's oversized or anything for the divisions. And didn't she fight at 105? I think so, didn't she? But she doesn't yeah. seem like a big 115er. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really odd move. Yeah. Good fight, though. Like, and yeah, look, it's a tough test for Firo, but it's also like Firo is a, is a sizey girl, you know, for the 125-pound division. And she's, you know, she's tough and big. Like, it's... I wonder what, like, I, I could understand if it was maybe a five-round fight or something like that, but in a three-round fight as well, that's a difficult enough. I like it's a, the biggest test of Firo's career, but it's a massive test for Nami Yunus as well. I'm Look, I think it's a very good fight. I'm interested. It, it falls under that bracket, you know. Okay, I really want to see the fight, but the fight doesn't really make that sense that much, you know. But look, we'll, we'll watch it anyway, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. Like, I think for Rose, as you said, like, she's two wins over the champion away class below, and away class, she, it feels like she's not killing herself to make. Now, maybe we see an interview or something after this, and she does say that. It's like, look, I'd love to go back down, but I just can't make the weight anymore. And if that's the case... Absolutely, you know, especially on this Reese McKee card, Graham. We don't want to be giving out about people not making weight. You'll get it again like the last time you did that about Reese. But yeah, um, <laughs> I fancy uh, I fancy Gan to beat Spivak, and I, I would say you would too, as well, Graham, because that's a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think obviously coming off a loss and recently and stuff like that, maybe takes a bit of the momentum and the, the confidence away. But I think, you know, he's still a technician on the feed. He's, he's very fast for the division. You know, uh, he should if he if he fights a good game plan and fights the the how we're used to to him fighting, he should have no problem here. Like Spivak's definitely a threat, but I think in terms of technical ability, Gagne is just on a different level. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Right before we talk about Max Holloway versus the Korean Zombie, just let's mention the Dana White's Contender Series from uh, last Tuesday because. Um, Another cage warriors stand out who I've you know have had interviewed a few times. Oh, is that the show where they where they just uh, give out contracts to guys for trying hard? Is that, is that the show? <laughs> is okay, just go, just expand on that, there, Greg. <laughs> I, I, it's always know, me. It's always uh, me. You do it this time. You know, we're going to talk about the fight in more detail, but you know, it's a it's a. I mentioned Carl Pendred earlier. It's like a Carl Pendred fight where you know he's. He, before even before the, let me go back a bit before the fight even starts there's like an emotional promo playing he looks like he's he's getting emotional he looks like he might cry while he's waiting to walk into the cage as you know they play the the, the promo talking about working on the railroads and his family and how he 
how long it's taken him to get here and all the work, blood, sweat and tears and all that stuff. And he goes in there and the, the first round is a close round, very close round. In the second round, he nearly gets finished on a couple of occasions. He's rocked. He can't find his feet. He's fallen all over the place. He goes for a couple of takedowns that he can't get. It's just, you know, he looks like he's he's on his last legs a couple of times and he just manages to to gut it out. He just, you know, as he said before, you're gonna have to take him out of there in a box. This is this is all or nothing for him. And like he fought like that, and it's just a like a amazing third round. Like the, the second round could have been a ten eight. It probably was, you know. And then he comes out nearly, nearly definitely was. I don't know. I don't think it was on the judges' scorecards, but it should have been. And uh, he comes back from that in the third round. He, he, he like you know he doesn't come out there you know trying to get the finish and you know uncomposed and throwing too hard or anything. He he, he just gets back into technical mode and takes over the fight and breaks down a really good opponent, like a champion in, in Octagon, isn't he? And Yeah, and a good fighter uh, too. You know, a, a good fighter. You can see from the second round that this guy's a dangerous guy and uh, just a really, really, like, good uh, recovery and a brilliant come-from-behind victory and, you know, all that stuff. And then straight away afterwards, Daniel Cormier is, a, you know, Sean's favorite commentator, is, is there to... To talk about how, ah, uh, well, you know, that Oban fight wasn't great. Like, we don't really, I don't think he should be given a contract. Uh, we don't just hand out contracts to uh, everybody who tries hard. And then I think uh, Laura Sanko and uh, who else was on the boots with him? Dan Helly. Yeah. So they they were kind of trying to be like, ah, here, come on, like in in, in different words. And uh, Daniel Cormier repeated the same thing. And it's just like, what is going on here? This is just, just really odd. Like, I don't know. It was like a maybe I'm just emotionally invested in Open Elliot or something, but I thought that was an amazing fight, an amazing heart shown, and you could see how much it meant to him. And he can talk, and you know, he was interacting with Dana. He was funny. I don't know. I, like maybe people thought it was cringy, or Daniel Cormier was unimpressed or whatever. But like, you know, this guy's obviously worked really hard. If Daniel Cormier put in any research or even paid attention to the promo that got paid be- played before the fight, he'd realize that like this is everything to this guy and this guy Open Elliot, and he's like. Just for like a shitty hot take based on basically nothing in, in in well maybe it's just my opinion or whatever but I completely disagree with his opinion. Um, like this UFC caliber thing that we talked about earlier, it's like what is Daniel Cormier talking about? Like that last like you know, has he been up and watching these fight nights that he's working on? Like is he just too busy making jokes? Like, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just trying to take this guy's dream away over a shitty hot take is just just odd. I don't know what's going on there. If I speak, I I am in trouble. <laughs> I think I'm full chosen. I'm not just on the shit on Daniel Cormier. You're Cormier. correct. It was just in odd. Every way. It was just like I tweeted straight away. I'm like, well, this is odd. Like, what what's going on here? Like, especially like you know the, the last two or three. What, has it been two shows or three shows before this in the season of Contender Series? They yeah. give contracts to everybody, guys. Yeah. Like, Choi Machado, who's a, a heavy, an out of shape heavyweight, who lay on a guy, and you know, it's just like, what are you talking about? UFC, yeah. he's not UFC ready. It's like just nonsense it was really i saw i think it was nolan king maybe i'm mistaken now but i think it was nolan king who watches denoy contender series religiously way more than two of us and he said it was uh possibly the best fight ever on the contender series right and that's you know an american journalist not connected to uh, maybe it wasn't but it was someone like that anyway like so 
it's not just and like we uh, Oban's Welsh as well. It's not like we're he's one of our countrymen. Yeah, I've never even spoken biased. to the guy. Like, yeah. I, I, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I know you've interviewed him a few times. But yeah. Now I'll be honest. I have a bit of a soft spot for Oban, but there's not like anyone with a brain well, who anybody with, a, with a good backstory who <laughs> yeah. lays it on the line. Like he's not looking for sympathy. He's just saying it as it is and just like being open and honest and you know letting you in on on his day to day. Brilliant. And, you know, on the journey with him. Like it, it's you're obviously going to be more invested in, in one of his fights in some random um, contender series or UFC fight night prelim. But even then, like, like it could have been Joe Bloggs off the street and that would have been a classic of a fight. <laughs> you know? It really, the story didn't matter for how good that fight was. Like, it was an absolute banger of a fight, an epic comeback. Like, the referee could have stopped it a few times. Thank God it was Jacob Maldalvo in there and not Mark Goddard because it would have been stopped. I know maybe for the... And he's actually, I was thinking, been, do you, you think know? because that pl- promo played with the ref in the cage and, like, you got to take me out of there in the box and everything, all that stuff we just talked about, do you think that plays into I the wonder. referee? You know, because... Yeah. A couple of times I always thought, Jesus, this could be stopped now. And, yeah. You know. It's a, maybe. Yeah. May, maybe it all played into that. But Cold like, hearted yeah. Daniel Cormier didn't. Yeah. didn't <laughs> no, I, oh, <laughs> he tried hard. He, he, should, be a, he should be a ref. He'd be, he'd be stone like, cold. It, it all comes down to just Daniel Cormier not putting in one ounce of research. Like, if it, every time I do a KSW preview, like, I'm not the biggest KSW expert in the world. There's no doubt about it. Every single time I do it, I speak to Sean Dinney. Right, Sean Dini watches all these guys and he like he's he sends me like his cliff notes for the article he's doing for Severe MA and stuff and it's like stuff like that's invaluable. Right. If there's you know, if there's someone from Manchester or let's say someone from Newcastle fighting, I reach out to Jake Smith and ask him like it's not that hard. Or just go and watch a couple of their fights. Understand like if you look at Sherdog and you see who Oban Elliott is fight, has fought, you see who who Kaiki Burrito is and he's a champion in a very good organization. You realized then straight away that, okay, these are two different guys. These are two guys that are on a level that maybe, okay, maybe they're not on the, the, on the whole way up yet, but these are two guys that are on the way to being really good fighters, and we need to treat them like that. Then they go in and they have this mad, even, brilliant fight, um, a, a board of them against another very good fighter. Like, that is when you wax lyrical about guys. Like, instead of Jordan Vucinich, Paul Hughes fights, the Sharia Hughes fights, things like that, you have to realize that's a good guy against another good guy. It's not, if, if, if Oban Elliott was put in there against some guy who's, you know, seven and all from fucking Buckweed, Louisiana, and he's ever fought fucking anyone. I guarantee you Auburn could go in and armbar him in two minutes or do whatever he wants him. Like, no problem. But is that impressive? There's loads of as guys. Beating a brilliant loads guy? of guys that if, if, for example, there was a welterweight fight that fell apart, one of the any of the next two months worth of booked fights fell apart and they wanted to sub him in there, like, there's a lot of guys there, books that he'd be able to beat or at least be very competitive with. And, you know, uh, if, if Daniel Cormier had to come in and say, oh, well, like, you know, Sean O'Malley became the champion. I don't see this guy following in his footsteps or whatever. You know, you could say, oh, well, fair enough. That's your opinion. And, you know, a lot of people would agree or whatever. But after sitting there watching watching that fight right in front of you, you know what I mean? It's like, what is going on here? It's just nonsense. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, you know, it reminded me of, what's your man's name? Skip Bayless and the other guy. What's the other guy's name? Shannon Sharp. Sharp. Skip. Shannon Sharp. Skip. It reminded me of their show where they're just trying to say shit that will like, you know, be controversial and maybe go a bit viral and, and things like that. It, it just reminded me of that kind of nonsense. 
Yeah, it was. And that's, look, that's what the UFC broadcast is becoming. The UFC broadcast uh, is becoming shittier and shittier and shittier all the time. Unfortunately, like, yeah. it oh, really Dom- is. Dominic Cruz has given up and he's just, like, on a vendetta yeah. to, like, get back at people that have wronged him <laughs> in the past. <laughs> yeah, Daniel Cormier is getting paid millions. He doesn't give a shit. He's, like, you know, the Michael Bisbing... Dominic Cruz and uh, Daniel Cormier confrontation about like why don't you do any research for anything and he's like you know it's just uh, fair enough like you know um, maybe not fair enough really but not having any knowledge of what's going on is one thing but just shitting on a guy for a bad take just for a hot hot take is just in my opinion I would never do anything like that and it's just wrong in my opinion but like you know maybe it's the way of the world over there That's that's what they want him to do I don't know but yeah, I think maybe he was trying to create jeopardy. Like, oh, you know, we don't just sign everybody or whatever. But I don't know. I don't think it was that. I just think it was. I just think it was a. a, a I don't think he actually believed that. I think it was just a hot take to say something controversial to not just go along with the with the kind of other commentators and the kind of feel in the room. But to even do that just makes very little sense as well it all just makes yeah. no sense to me well, if you're trying to make sense out of something Daniel Carmier says you're, <laughs> you're probably on a heightened and not in there but look let's not take away from how good old Ben Elliott was and it was it was a close fight very very much could have lost that fight to be honest Kaiki Barreto put on a good performance as well but it was an absolute classic of a fight and um, yeah I'm delighted for Robin as I said like just the, the way he speaks like it's it's hard not to kind of root for a guy like that as much as we try to say unbiased and everything and like Jesus, it's just you feel so sorry from like he lost his dad to suicide, and you know his ma- his mother struggled. Like he's telling me a story about like she wasn't able to put petrol in the car to drive him to training, and he had to cycle what was it five miles or something to get to training, and five miles home and all that. And he's working on the railways, and he worked in Nando's and all just to like keep the dream alive. And like remember as well, like a while back he he had like um, a brain issue. Do you remember it was happening a few times there, and like these uh, himself and. Um, uh, Cal Eleanor as well. Remember it happened and it's been like a year out to see if the the like the waves in their brain or whatever changed. And when they didn't, they were grand, and it's just a normal thing. I know I actually know someone personally who that's happened to as well. But like if it does change and there's an issue, and he thought his career could have been over, and then he you know he came back from that and. You know he he had losses and and you know he fought like literally fought all comers as well and for a guy a like real, that real underdog story like yeah. you know is yeah. is it biased to like you know if you're a football journalist or an American football journalist or a hockey journalist and you know let's say a football journalist and Leicester City are going up against Man City or Arsenal or or Spurs as it was or whatever to want a team that just got promoted that were like you know odds on to get relegated to actually do it like as a as a football journalist or whatever, for example, is that a, is that like you know wrong or is it just like an you're human the underdog story and you know you look at any kind of movies that are like heroic movies or whatever that it's kind of like you know it's a human thing to like I think for the underdog. If you're looking at it from your own position, right, and looking at it like what would be the better story for me to cover? Now we don't necessarily look at things that way. I never really do, to be honest. But like. The story of Oban Elliott is a massive story to cover. Like, I know, like maybe not massive necessarily, but like a, an enthralling story to cover. Like, if let's say with McGregor, right, is is a great example of this, right? If he goes and he wins against Michael Chandler, like if you're an Irish journalist in MMA, or if you're an American journalist in MMA, who cares? The next fight that he has, like that story, just illuminate. If he gets a win there, every like, let's be honest. Every MMA journalist in the world should be hoping Conor McGregor wins his next fight. 
right? Yeah. It's like <laughs> when he went in there against Dennis Seaver, and you, and if you were hoping that he lost as a like a person involved in the MMA, and I, I just it makes no sense to me. Yeah, well, and like that's not to say you're like you're hoping this fighter A, fighter B, fighter C wins. You just but you not want excitement. You not want no, like you, exactly. you know what I mean. And like you have to like let's be realistic about it as well. We everyone last week, right? Sean O'Malley fought. Who, who do you think the UFC wanted to win that fight? Like, if you ask any MMA fan that question, they're all, of course they're going to say they want O'Malley. Like, you've altered this guy who people seem to hate, and O'Malley, this, you know, th- the third member of Full Sin or whatever, is, you know, he's like, all oh, the young people like him. Even of course people you want that to don't like O'Malley are going to enjoy, you know, the people who wanted yeah. Aljo to win are probably happy enough because they're going to enjoy the, oh, this guy's going to beat him, or, oh, he's, wait till he, you know, faces this style, or, you know, the way it always is. Yeah, in, yeah, 100%. And, like, to, even if you don't root for those stories just to like understand them and like have some wits about you I think and like I think there yeah there is a difference between that and necessarily you know a, a bias there so yeah I, I you know like being biased and saying oh he deserved to win a fight he didn't like I actually yes. I haven't gone back and watched the first round but I thought he, I was like oh if he yeah, I thought, I thought this, all if he comes back yeah. yeah if he comes back uh, and this and loses a decision it'll be kind of sad but he probably lost that first round like yeah, and like we're pretty consistent on that. Like I thought James Gallagher lost last week. So, like to be fair, so you can't really you can't really call us biased and calling out things like that. To be fair, now two very close fights and they weren't robberies or anything like that. But you know, if you want our opinion on it, that that was mine anyway. So look, we'll. Uh that could be a, a longer discussion for another day, but we will uh, leave it there for that part of the discussion and throw it over to Sean Sheehan to look back at last night's fights. Take it away, Shani. Thank you very much, Shani. Right, uh, we're going to keep this very, very brief because uh, this podcast has already gone a bit long and we have the uh, breakdown coming with Ian and Harry this week anyway. So um, they will give you a full breakdown of this card. Uh just a few standouts from the undercard. Um, I thought JJ Aldrich performed pretty well. She got a good finish there, ground and pound over uh, Lingya. Millie Goff got a lovely finish with a body shot, and Song Kinan looked good as well. You know, that win looks uh, good for Ian Gary, you know, after uh, he he pretty comprehensively beat him after Song landed that big shot. It was funny, actually, in the highlights for Song beforehand, uh, they showed the Ian Gary thing. And um, they <laughs> made it look like he knocked him out. <laughs> I was like, what? What's going on here? But anyway, why, why not? Um, the Alokshechuk in Jokowani fight was, it was one worth watching, right? It was only a one round fight, but it just showed myself. And Harry did a speaker's corner about it not too long ago. Um, and it, it just shows how massive durability is in, in MMA because there's no doubt about it in the start of that, maybe the first three minutes or so, Chidi hit him with the better shots. Like, there's no doubt about it in my mind. He hit him with the, the harder shots. Uh, Alex Jacek was, was hitting back, absolutely. But um, the difference, the effect of the shots had on both men was the key because Chidi felt them and Alex Jacek it's not that he didn't feel him, but he was able to get through him so much easier. You know, the, he, uh, Chidi landed one good shot there once. I was just like, oh, shit, this could be over. Because, like, if I, I don't know if anyone listened to my betting show this week. Um, I I was like, I was going to pick Chidi to get the knockout here. But then I was like, well, he's never been knocked out as I look Jacek. So I'm, going, I'm just going to pull back and I didn't give it. But that was my exact reason. It's like, when you have that level of durability... And they're very hard to finish against a guy who's like, 
you know, he's not a one round fighter, but he's a finisher. He's a finisher. Let's put it that way. It's it's very tough as well when you're a finisher like Oleg Jejuk, and uh, you know you have a good few finishes in your on your uh, resume. Um, it, the fight is going to where the uh, going to go the way the fight went. So, yeah, that was uh, a good win for Oleg Jejuk, but. A very tough fight for Chitty. I, I know they were saying when he was walking, I was like, oh, it's a good matchup and all, striker versus striker. But yeah, sometimes a striker versus striker matchup isn't good for one of the strikers. And that was that was the case here. Um, a good win as well for Garrett Armfield. He looked good and, uh, you know, he was kind of proclaiming himself uh, one to watch afterwards. Um it was it was a weird one this one because right? the the stoppage people some people were calling it early and some people were like well he was getting absolute shit beat out of him as Kazama and and look he was there's no doubt about that um, I would still call it a little bit of an early stoppage to be honest like so I, I, I we spoke last week in depth about the um, which was the Aljamain Sterling one and we talked about like seeing what came before but like. I think it's a little bit different, say, when it's a big knockdown and someone's hurt, um, as opposed to, like, a big uh, kind of beating. Uh, and when I say big beating, like, it, it wasn't like he was dominated over five rounds or something like that. It was only four minutes into the fight, so... I think it's a little bit different. Now, he did get knocked down, right? And maybe you can say, okay, he took the big beating and got knocked down after. But, like... Still giving that bit of an opportunity after that. I wasn't like I, I'm not going to complain about it too much, but I don't know if it it just feels like. Imagine if that happened in the Ben Elliott fight, right? We wouldn't have had that classic fight. I feel like we're just missing out on a few classic fights, a few classic comebacks with people just pulling the trigger a little too early, and and it's a very like you know this is a, this may be a bad example, right? But yeah, I I, w- I would rather us just. Just tail back a little bit on like the early stoppages, but anyway, um, Waldo Cortez Acosta. That certainly wasn't an early stoppage, anyway. Although you know, I saw some people actually giving out about the ref. He should have been in earlier. I I wouldn't blame the ref at all for this one. Like it was, he. Just, I think he honestly. I think he tried to stop it as quick as he could, and I think he got in there as quick as he could. It was just madness. And so uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta hit Lucas Bresky with a big right hand literally turned him around and put him on the stanky leg and when he did that like he literally kind of kind of like ran the opposite way because his legs just wouldn't carry him and the whole fight went that way ref Acosta the whole lot and Acosta hit him with another shot and then the ref just immediately came in like well he was he was face planted at that stage but I don't honestly I don't think there's I would not blame the ref there at all. I, I think nothing wrong happened there. If he if he hadn't stopped it after the next shot, it would have been different, but no, indeed. Uh, and a similar sort of thing happened with the junior Taffa one in terms of he hit Parker Porter with a few shots, hurt him a few times, and then him with the right straight up through um, his guard, I suppose. Well, it was a, well, maybe not, when I say straight, it was a bit, a bit of a hook. Um, and face planted him. Lovely, lovely finish there. Um, and then we got, I suppose, to the... The close ones, we had four decisions in a row. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield, after probably losing the first on my card, came back and won the next two. She looked uh, she looked like she could have been a bit in trouble in the first, maybe three minutes of the fight against Santa, so it looked good, but she came around, turned around, and looked very, very good there. And obviously, the lads will be speaking more about that, as they will be about Rin, Rinya Nakamura, who's a very good prospect, 8-0. You know, I suppose a good matchup here against Garcia. Uh... And in the last two, I, 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 I 
Right, just on Smitten Span first, it was a close fight, you know. I saw everyone talking about bad fight IQ in this one, and maybe that's a stand-up, but, like, it just, you know, it just feels like a middle-of-the-road light heavyweight fight. It's like, oh, really? You know, so I'm not going to spend too much on that one. But the, the other two fights, Chikadze and Caceres, and obviously in the main event. Just on, on that Ch- uh, Chikadze, um Caceres fight, right, Giga won all three rounds, and he won 30-27. And... So I have two things to say here, right? First of all, I'm going to go with uh, the negative and then the positive, right? Negative first. I thought he looked so, so bad. I thought he looked like a physical shell of what he once was. I don't know if other people think, like, literally, like, his physicality, he, he didn't look as strong, like, in the body, or he didn't look as fast, he didn't look as hurtful with his strikes. Now, he still won, and he was, you know, the relatively close rounds against Alex Caceres. Um, and it, w- it just was, to me, it wasn't great, right? It just was not great. Now, here's the positive side to put on it. That was his first fight since when Calvin Cater, that destruction, what was it, 19 months ago. So he's been a long time out of the cage. It was the first, you know, the, the January to 2022. So, you know, we're, we're coming towards the the last few months of 2023 here. So it's been a good while out of the cage. And it, if this is the base from which he works on to improve and get back to maybe that physical level, that's good, right? That's good. He is at a place where he got a win and he needs major improvements. Now, physically but mentally as well he didn't to me he didn't look on it he didn't look the killer he used to look and like beatings like the one he took against Calvin Cater can change you for life and they definitely change him but hopefully I, I like I don't want to go overboard I thought it was a bad performance uh and, and a bad performance compared to what he used to be not a bad performance in totality but one that really could be a stepping stone look it'll either be a stepping stone to him getting back to his old ways and getting really really good or a stepping stone to him like probably getting beaten in two of his next three fights so we'll see how uh We'll see how that one works out. Um, and in the main event, uh, what a fun, exciting fight this was. Um, I thought the Korean Zombie possibly won the first. Um, I think they put up the stat at the end. It was 31 st- strikes to 29. And it looked like that sort of round. Even though the commentary were kind of like, you know, oh, Max Holloway, you know. But anyway, the commentary weren't too bad tonight. There was no DC anyway, so that was good. Why Also, why wasn't John Gooden commentating? But uh, absolutely and utterly idiotic and baffling. But anyway, um, yeah, so they both came out and they both landed shots. Like the Korean zombie had, had his uh, knee taped up and his wrist taped, or sorry, his uh, ankle taped up and the whole lot. But, you know, he didn't really, he didn't look like, you know, a, an old junior B player or anything like that. He was moving well. He was throwing his shots well. Uh, he was landing some lovely right hands and that, that follow-on left hook. Now, the follow-on left hook was the shot that Max Holloway, and maybe it's not even a left hook. I don't know what you would actually call it. It's like, maybe maybe it is a hook. It's like, it's like a straight hook or something. <laughs> like a straight hook is a contradiction in terms, but you know what I mean? He was like, it was like a dip away overhand or something. It was, but it was a beautiful shot, and he was landing it all night. And as I said, uh, TKZ landed it as well. But um, th- so at the start of the round, I thought the Korean Zombie was was winning in terms of the the hardness of his shots, the effectiveness of his shots. 
And then I took, Todd Holloway kind of took over in the middle part of the round. I took over in terms of he was behind, he was behind, he was doing his level and then ahead, ahead, ahead a little bit. But when it came to the end of the round, I thought the Korean Zombie landed three shots that possibly evened it up and maybe put him ahead even. So very close. Like if you scored that for Holloway, like I, it's definitely not, I'm not dying on that hill of Korean Zombie when the, it was a toss of a coin. And I, I just thought there was a little bit more of an effect than his shots there. Um, in the second round, it was similar but more in the favour of Holloway, I would say. Um, he looked... Um, he, do you know what it looked like? It looked like he was kind of finding his range a little bit more. It looked like he was kind of... He was happy enough to... <laughs> why would you put it? He was happy enough to land the shots that he maybe didn't plan on landing. If you get me coming into it, um, and when uh, when he did, and, and when I when I say that right, so you you fight a guy like the Korean Zombie, and you plan for him to do maybe a bit of mad stuff and maybe not go technically with your, you know, there was talks of him going for takedowns and stuff like that, and you're planning for, you know, you're you're kind of. Uh, you get on the front foot, you land your one, two, three, four, five, six, seven shots. I don't know if it was necessarily Holloway planning for, and I'm sure he was planning for that hook down through the middle, but that shot and then a follow up with those ones after it, and then go back to it and go back to the, the, the lead shots again. I'm not sure if that was, and maybe I'm explaining it badly, but when, when you watched around, I think maybe people will know, like, Holloway definitely had to up it in a way that maybe a lot of people, myself included, weren't expecting. Now, maybe he was, and I, uh, I, uh, I, I, do you know what? I'm sure he was, actually. But um, he did a great job. I think uh, one judge gave him a 10-8 in that second round. It was a period there where maybe he could have um, he could have got the stoppage, but he kind of pulled back a little bit, and, and he had great respect for him. But in the third, uh, the Korean Zombie just came out, and um, I, I, a friend of mine, I'll, I'll give a shout out to, to David Mosgrave, he, he kind this phrase, he, uh, he said to me he went suicide mode, and that's exactly what he went, like, it was a relatively even fight for most of it, over the first, you know, 10 minutes, and you know, maybe, maybe 8 minutes or so, but... It's it's not a fight that had like got away from him and like that he was definitely losing or, or anything like that. But he just decided to start to try. He's like, look, and look, anyone who watched that second probably went, oh, this is gone. Now it's kind of turning. He's going to get a little bit more tired here. Holloway's, you know, a five round fighter. He's going to pull away. We, oh no, this is kind of going that way. We all knew that, right? And the Korean zombie went suicide mode and refused for that to be a thing. He just refused. Like he was like, right, I'm going for it. I'm going for this. I'm going. I'm either going out with my shield or on it. Uh, and he went down on it. Uh, unfortunately, he got. Unfortunately for him. Unfortunately for Max Holloway, I suppose. But once he went that mode, it was always him going to get knocked out. There was no way at this stage of his career, even though Max Holloway's had more fights than him, funnily enough, but there was no way at this stage of his career that he was the one going to win that gun battle with Max Holloway. Just no way. And Holloway landed that beautiful shot uh, and uh, and put him out. And, uh, and that was that. Um, he retired afterwards. A beautiful walkout and everything like that. Um, 
So yeah, looking forward to the next one. <laughs> so but, oh, we'll uh, we'll see on that. So yeah, that was uh, that was that, and uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. If you've if I left anything out, if you have any questions or anything, we will have the uh, the Q and A this week on Patreon as always. And uh, oh yeah, just one thing on Patreon as well. If you're not signed up, patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. Actually, sorry, this is if you are signed up. If you're not signed up, please sign up. If you are signed up, we've uh, so there's an issue with Patreon, right? Where People are just getting caught in limbo and they say their, their bank card is like, you change your bank card or they, it just got denied for some reason. Like it happened, uh, it would happen with someone I know and the bank card didn't change. They didn't, it didn't get denied. Or it, it just got denied for no reason, basically. And you have to like change it from like five euro to five euro one cent or change to your Revolut card this month and then change back your bank card or something like that. And there's like, there's literally like, 50 people more i think stuck in limbo right so if you signed up before and you noticed like oh your your money's not getting ch- taken out or whatever and you're not getting the podcast just check please go on your patreon and, and this is for people who are already signed up so i'm not asking anyone for extra money or anything here so just go and have a look please because like literally it, look, look we I, I hate like saying oh we're you know we, we want we want the money we, we look we do want the money this at the end of the day we're fucking doing the job here and stuff and we're, we're providing a service and you know if someone uh out there is listening to this and they want to uh pay us for that service then at least we should be able to get that money but the money's getting stuck in fucking limbo so please if you're one of those people who want to give us a five a month and get all the podcasts and our support or so whatever you want to do it check our patreon check your patreon and maybe you need to adjust the payment thing because it's it's actually like it's a real killer for us like it's a real 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 killer we're missing out on you know maybe being being able to to pay and you know pay all the lads extra or go to an extra event or something like that uh because of this and it's like it's patreon we like i would love to move somewhere else <laughs> that didn't have this issue but then we're going to lose all our patrons that we already have it so it's a real issue so yeah just an appeal to anyone there who's already signed up to do it that way and if you haven't signed up yeah you know please do because i actually think for newer people the issue isn't as much like uh, it's it's only for people that have been there for a good few months it's it's happened so you know hopefully that'll be able to start it out but anyway Thank you very much for listening. Uh, please uh, click subscribe. Please click the like button and all wherever you're listening to this. And uh, yeah, I will leave it there for me and Graham. Uh, it was a great a weekend of mixed martial arts. And we'll see you for next weekends. Good luck. <laughs>